Hi, this is Jason. And this is Matt. And welcome to Wish You Were Here, a podcast for the curious traveler. Yes, welcome back. Um, Jason, you had asked me right before we hit record. Well, because we had talked about this, but I used to be an actor. And by that, I mean, I like did it in high school. And then I tried to audition for two years in LA and didn't make any progress. So <laughs> so I wear that over my head. But my, Which I pe- surprises me because you are a man of considerable talents. Oh, that's very, very generous of you. I was just about to make a, a joke that I peaked when I was in a production of Beauty and the Beast in high school. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, were you the candlestick? I was the beast. Were you? I was. Uh, so that's, oh, that's, so that's clearly a whole other story. That's, that's a <laughs> we'll great story, probably for another time. Anybody who's listening who went to high school with me is like either cheering or crying right now. Um, uh, but the reason I bring it up is because I was thinking like how many... You know, we we both dream big about this podcast and, you know, who knows if we get up there, I was like, maybe one day I'll try it again. And I was wondering how many like how many people who do podcasts go to their agents and are like, I'm ready for this silver screen. And their agent is like, nope, not going to happen for you. I think, well, first of all, I'm not sure many podcasters have agents. Uh, I would love it if we had one, please. If you're an agent, you want to represent us for oh free. My God. Uh, out of the kindness of your heart, please do. But I do think that we live in a world where nobody, for better or for worse, no judgment, but nobody wants to stay in their lane, right? Hmm. Wait, what do you mean? Like everybody right? wants so like every, everybody wants to be a multi-hyphenate. Oh, <laughs> like producer you slash know? actor slash director. Yeah, slash everything. It's yeah. right. Like they they are actors. They win an Academy Award, and then they're like, "But what I really want to do is direct yeah. or produce or start my own production company." Yeah. Right? Like it's like Amy Schumer. I just want you to tell jokes. <laughs> just stand on stage and tell me some jokes. Yeah, or, but she's you know, also making really wonderful documentaries. So like, I don't, is she? I want, yeah, Wait, is you, she? Have you seen her new one, Expecting Amy? Wait, I thought that was stand-up. Uh, it's a documentary about the creation of her most recent stand-up special while she was oh. pregnant. And so it's really, a, it's really a story about her pregnancy and how wild it was. Which was complicated, wasn't Super it? Super complicated. Oh my Ooh. God, this, this documentary is so good. Wait, wait. And by the way, <laughs> I'm also, I'm about to contradict myself. Okay. Because I'm, sa- I'm telling people like, stay in your lane. She also has a podcast and it's great. It's called. <laughs> so maybe we need a called, different example. It's called like Three Girls and a Keith. Yeah. We, the and exa- it's really fun. Like Keanu Reeves, who, who we love, he's, he's. You know, beloved across the world. He, I think he also has a band that like nobody listens to. Maybe that's one where you're like, you know, just be like a person and an actor. (laughs) Okay. You know what? That's actually a great example, right? Bruce Willis. He had a band for a while. Do you know what they were called? I don't remember. This was in like the eighties or nineties or like Dennis Hopper, (laughs) Uh like was uh a painter on the side. Yeah. And it's like, he probably sold paintings because he has the name Dennis Hopper. (laughs) Were they good paintings? I I don't actually know. So that makes me wonder, like, what are the criteria for adding hyphens to your resume? Like, could I say that I'm like a, an actor slash botanist slash podcast producer slash cook, even though I only cook for me? Okay, wait a minute. I just thought of the ultimate person who should stay in a lane. <laughs> Madonna. Well, that is very okay, timely. <laughs> Ma- Madonna tried acting for many, many, many years and with very little acclaim and success. Uh-huh. She had a couple little moments, but mostly... Yeah, uh, and, now so she, and now she's trying political spokesperson and it's not working out. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I just want to say, right after this call, I have a date. You do? Yeah, a would you face, like to tell? Would you like to date. tell listeners about it? 
<laughs> I will really quick, and then let's get into our destination. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'll tell you really quick. So this is actually summit. So I moved out here almost four years ago now. It's been four years since I came back to California. So yeah. I came out here in October of 2016. And in the week I was apartment hunting, I was staying with uh, a good girlfriend of mine in Los Feliz. And this guy came up on one of the social media apps, one of the ones that does the distant, you know, by location. Yeah. And we chatted and I was like, yeah, I'm just apartment hunting. I'm free otherwise. So we met for a walk and had a really nice time. Then when I moved here a month later, we ended up connecting again. So this is maybe late 2016, early 2017 now, went for another long walk, had a very nice time. And he said, yeah, you know, I have a really wonderful, great circle of friends and we hang out a lot and do all this stuff. You should join us. And I thought, that's a great idea. So at one point I messaged him back and said something like, and this was on one of the apps. And I said something like, yeah, I'd love to hang out again and meet your friends. And that sounds really fun. And he responded by saying something like, great, I'll let you know next time we, you know, have a plan or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then it just never went like, he didn't follow up. I didn't follow up. Yeah. But he found me on the same app until everybody's locked inside and lonely. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Someone's looking for a situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. No, but he's great. But he's, but we started talking again and clearly he's giving me romantic vibes. Like, you know, he's like laying on the compliments. And so we have a FaceTime date tonight tonight after this recording. So if you can hurry it up, um, I've got a date. We'll get you out of here on time. (laughs) Have have you heard the term? um, It's a new, like, you know, in this culture of video conferencing, the term body mullet. No, <laughs> it's no, that no, thing, I, I never that thing when you're on a video call and your business up top, but party down low. So it's like where you would just like be in your boxers, but up top you're wearing a dress shirt and a, and a blazer, a yeah, body absolutely. mullet. Would like, you ever, what, would you ever body mullet on a date, on a video date? I mean, I've done it on conference calls with my coworkers, <laughs> but that, and that time I got up, Ooh, that was yeah, not pretty. Yeah. No, no, I, I've not done that actually. It's funny. You know what? <clears throat> I still every morning have to shower, get dressed, and pretend like I'm going to work. I mean, I do. It gets I do me the in that same mode. thing. Yeah, I do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't work all day in like sweats and a frumpy tee. N- no, and I can't not shower. I have to be like it because it like it's the routine. I, it gets the, yeah, it, it gets the positive ions flowing. It just like it just wakes me up. You know, sure. I, to, I do all the, the same stuff I did before. Yeah, in and fact, I, sometimes like that... I even drive to work and back. Just no, I don't do that. <laughs> you just unpark your car <laughs> and then repark it. Yeah, <laughs> do the commute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Like that's a way to stay sane. Is a follow. A, some semblance of a routine so good for you i do the same yeah. thing yeah, yeah yeah all right are you ready to talk about our destination this week it is such a big one it's such it's a big biggest, one yeah we're gonna talk about what jason said in our little teaser a couple weeks ago we're gonna talk about the greatest city in the world that's right yeah 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 <laughs> waiting for the ball Duluth. to drop Duluth. <laughs> what did we do oh we said springfield because <laughs> oh, there's yeah, a springfield right, in every state right. and there's one we're gonna talk yeah, today yeah, about yeah. new york city Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's um, so funny. When when we talked, when we said greatest city in the world on that one episode, my brother texted me later and is like, "I'm excited to hear your New York episode," even though we didn't say what the city was. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, by saying yeah. greatest city, this is the yeah. first one that comes to mind. He knew. He knew. He knew. <laughs> uh, I love New York for so many reasons, and we could spend a whole episode just talking about why we love New York. Sure. But I just want to throw this out there. I love New York because no two visits to the city are ever alike. Mm, right? The city yes, changes yes, yes. so quickly. So when I was Chicago-based, I would get to New York City two or three times a year. It was so n- not a big deal to just be like, oh, we just got tickets to see a Broadway show, so we're going to New York for the weekend. Sure. Or, you know, whatever. Like, oh, there's a, new, um, there's, a, there's a new exhibition at the Met that's supposed to be great. Let's just go to New York. Like, you know, it's an hour and a half flight, and it's so easy. Yeah. Out here, I only get out there maybe once annually. And of course, with COVID, I'm, over, I'm now overdue. But what I love about New York is that even if you go in spring and come 
come back in fall. There's new cranes. You know, some restaurants have already closed. <laughs> new thing. You know, new cranes meaning portending the yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. building of new skyscrapers. It's just like it's a different city every time. Yeah. So you, you're right though that the trip from west coast to east coast is that much more challenging because you lose you lose the five hour flight plus the three hour time difference. So you basically yeah. lose a day to travel. And to yeah. me, that's such a prohibition. Like you can't just casually go over to New York for a weekend unless you got like serious money. Um, this no. is something that you got to plan no. a little bit of time for. Right. That's the challenge about living on the coasts is yeah. that the other coasts that you're not on is hard to get to. Whereas in the center of the country, you know, when you live, especially a hub city like Chicago or Denver, mm. I mean, you can just go anywhere in the country for three hours or less and it's probably a good price. Totally. Totally. You know, um, yeah. so I'll, I'll share that my interest introduction or like my association with New York. I lived there for three years. I lived in the East Village. Um, After being there for a year, I applied to and got into and finished my schooling at NYU. So I was a student in New York as well. Bravo. Nicely done. (laughs) Thank you. And then my last year and a half um, of being in New York, I lived in Brooklyn. And so I I got to explore the city a lot in three years. And I just have so much love. I think like my wife and I moved away at the right time for us, but we regularly will like, yeah. like, you know, sit down and just bemoan the fact that we don't live in New York anymore. We miss it a lot. Matt, what years did you live there? I moved there in 2012 in uh, uh, summer-ish, like the beginning uh-huh. of summer. And then I moved away almost three years exactly later in, in June of 2015 when I went to Chicago. So wait, that's crazy. Because at the time you left, I was in Chicago. You went from New York to Chicago uh-huh. to begin your, tra- your work in travel. Uh-huh. Right. And that is the summer that I was I was already thinking it's time for me to move away from Chicago. Should I go to New York or back to California? And this in June of 2015, I went to New York and spent uh, a summer there. Uh, so we literally we just missed we, each we other. Ju- two ships. We didn't even know each other then. Two ships. Two yeah, ships. you came and I already had a relationship with the company we work for. Yeah. As a contractor. So I probably would have, I could have possibly met you had I stuck around that summer. That is <laughs> so funny. Been. We met, you and I met at the right time or else this, who we knows? Did. Yeah, we met at the right time. We did. What, okay, so, so, so you lived there for a summer. I want to hear about what that was like, but I'm sure that you're going to bring up some examples in your experience and I'll quickly lay yeah. the ground view for today's episode because it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Typically, we would just sort of walk through our recommendations for where to stay, what to do, what to eat. New York is an is that's a, that's an insurmountable task in a place like New York. You, you cannot accomplish it all, and so we had to give ourselves some structure. So today, Jason and I are going to be walking you through our ideal weekend. So like forty eight hours in New York, and how you can spend it from Friday evening to Sunday evening, and how you can spend it. Yeah, and I have to tell you, when you first floated this idea, I thought that's really great because. You know, with Los Angeles, with Chicago, it felt like you and I just could have talked forever. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. especially, you know, with, with our, our knowledge of L.A. And, and me coming from Chicago, it just feels like we could have talked for a long time. This. So when you suggested this, I was like, that's such a good idea. And then when I sat down to, like, do the work of planning out a, a, a perfect 48 hours of the city, I started hating you. <laughs> It's I so hated hard. you. It, it's, it's so hard. Yeah, the paradox so sh- of choice. You have too many choices. Yeah, yeah. So we should say that we can't wait to come back to this city and, and, and you know in future episodes and visit it. We'll visit it again and again yeah. and again. But to your point about everything being different in New York, that's a little bit of a sad thing too. I, I will admit that as I was prepping for this episode and just going through, I, I always keep a running list, like a running map of all my favorite places in New York. Yeah. And as I was going through and thinking which ones I wanted to recommend, I found at least half a dozen, at least yeah. half a dozen that yeah. are permanently closed. Yeah. Because um, of COVID? Because of COVID. Uh, I'm assuming yeah. that because, I mean, like yeah. holding rent in New York is is a monster in its own right, but doing it during 
a time when customers can't come insurmountable. Yeah. So probably worth sharing to our listeners that I did the same thing you did. Mm. I made sure that all the places I'm talking about to the best of my knowledge are currently open or they're temporarily closed. Yeah. Same, you know, not probably closed. So, so hopefully these are all recs that people can use. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when we say our ideal weekend, it obviously implies a time when like travel is safe and you can jet set for a weekend (laughs) and you could in theory go to all these places because they've opened. So small asterisk. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so should we should we do it? Let's do it. So what Jason and I are going to do is sort of walk like Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday, Saturday afternoon. We're going to walk through time frame. And in theory, these are all things that you could do. We've kind of timed it out. So you could do them all in one weekend, but you're going to have a lot of, it'll be like a choose your own adventure. You've got yeah. several choices for each time frame. All right, let's hear your Friday night. I want you to go first. All right, so... Uh, this is a little bit of a hot take, but I recommend flying into Newark because I want you to stay on the west side of Manhattan. You can fly into Newark, you can fly into JFK, but JFK is a little bit of a trek. And to get out of the city, I'll recommend yeah. flying into New Jersey and then just coming to the west side of the island. And I would say, go to the airport or get off the airport, head to Manhattan, and you're going to head for the Highline Hotel, which is in Chelsea. It's uh, on the corner of 10th and 20th. And the Highline Hotel is a little bit more of a, you know, a save up for hotel. It's an old beautiful beautiful historic hotel that is built in the 1800s and really has been um, like a variety of different you know industries and, and places but now i think it reopened in 2015 as a hotel and it consistently gets marked as like one of the best hotels or best boutique hotels in new york city it's a big brick building that's like immaculately designed and it, to me it really feels like the balance of a historic hotel with like the checker tile floors and the vintage phones and you mix that with like the comfiest bed you've ever laid on and i would argue the best stocked mini bar in all of new york the of course, I haven't stayed at every hotel. So to me, that's an amazing hotel and a great place to start. So wait, so first of all, I believe just before it was the Highline Hotel, it was a monastery. It or was. Or was at some point. It yeah. was, yeah, the yeah. Desmond Tutu Center for something. Yeah. And then secondly, the fact that you think it opened in 2015, that means... That's after you moved out of the city. So so you've experienced the Highline as a visitor. As a visitor. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I think nice. it, it nice. opened just before I moved away. And so when a friend came and visited us, she stayed there. And it's across the street from uh, where I worked, which is Cook Shop, which I'll tell you about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's across the street from that. And so it was the best place for her to stay. And so I got to like sort of crash in her room and enjoy it with her. And it's an incredible hotel. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. And I've only walked by it. And I've only like walked by it and thought, oh, if only I was rich one day. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit pricey. I think, you know, probably between like three and 500 a night. So like yeah, save up yeah, for it. It's yeah, a special trip yeah. hotel. Yeah, for sure. So you get to, you check into Highland Hotel, you drop your bags off. If you want an after flight coffee, their bar is an intelligentsia coffee shop. So you can grab one of those. And I would, I should have said this at the top, but this weekend you're going to need your walk-in shoes. So... After you check into the hotel, you can either walk, it's like a 25 minute walk or so, or a 10 minute car ride almost straight south to a restaurant called Joseph Leonard in the West Village. Um, and Joseph Leonard to me is like the epitome of a neighborhood hotspot. You know, anytime you watch like a rom-com and they just happen to like, you know, pop into this amazing mm. New York City spot mm-hmm. and it's full of life and everybody's beautiful and the food yeah. looks incredible. That to me yeah. is what Joseph Leonard is. It can't hold more than 50 people in there. And really the centerpiece of it is this tight, like tight, tight, tight nine seat bar that wraps around. But it's new American food. You go with two or three friends and you squeeze into a booth and it's like... You know, you just order everything and share it, pâtés and squash salad and mussels and whatever. So that I think is an amazing restaurant to go and like certainly unpack from your flight. And then the best part is, is that it's a five minute walk 
from Washington Square Park. So afterwards, you can walk it off through the beautiful arch that is highlighted, that is really in the center of, of parts of NYU's, it's not really a campus because it's built into the city, right. but the, the arch in Washington Square Park is like a, it's a tourist monument, but it's an incredible yeah. park to go and just like sit in and, and people watch. It's kind of an icon. It is an icon, yeah. yeah. And so once you've done that, you've had your fill, you've walked a lap around the park and you know walked off all the the shimshuka that you ate or shakshuka um i would recommend that you take a car back to chelsea and you stop at bathtub gin have you ever been there bathtub gin never cool heard name of huh it. so bathtub yeah. gin is a speakeasy and it's behind a business called stone street coffee company which by day is a coffee shop and at night there's this sort of like red uh, you'd see it like a working dock or something like that. It's a red light that that turns on and that's how you know that the speakeasy is, is open. So you go to a bouncer who's standing in front of a wall and he checks your ID. He You, you can't hear anything when you're standing in the coffee shop. He opens up the wall and you get like blasted with sound and music and voices and you walk inside to this small speakeasy. There's, yeah. a, there's a big old bathtub in the middle of it. Usually most nights there's live music playing. It It's called Bathtub Gin and so if you, like me, are a gin lover... It's, I mean, it's like, it's big old chef's kiss. Um, it's, it's one of the best places to get like variations on a gin and tonic. And the fact that you're mentioning it means it has not permanently closed because of COVID. I love this. Yeah. I love it. So I don't have to, I love that we both, you know, did our research ahead of time <laughs> because I'm listening to you talk about these places and I'm thinking, oh, these all sound great, but yeah. <laughs> what if they're not, but. And they okay, all so closed bathtub- in 2011. No, can you imagine? Why would we do that? would be so depressing as an episode. Um, so you go have a nightcap at Bathtub Gin. Um, yeah. You go have a nightcap there and then it's a five minute walk you know, more or less back to your hotel where you can crash after a good Friday evening. I love this night. I love this night. I will do this night. I mean, <laughs> I really will. I don't know. You'll have to, you might have to. I'll be you your know, guest we, we, on this night. I, I mean, well, this is like I, my <laughs> ideal weekend. <laughs> I might have to take advantage of our, the travel discount you and I get yeah. to stay at the Highline Hotel. But uh, okay. You so can sleep my, outside the Highline Hotel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll pick the right time of year, find a bench. So how am I, you tell me, how am I spending my Friday night? Okay, so our geographically, our Friday nights aren't that different. Now, mm. mine, you fly into LaGuardia because it's such a beautiful airport. It no, I'm is. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's the worst. Although it is under, it's it's midway. It's go undergoing its transformation right now, right? It's like multi-billion dollar renovation. Yeah. So hopefully, but I just remember all the years flying in from Chicago and I would always end up at that, I would fly Delta, end up at that like janky hangar and it was like <laughs> out of the way. And it, there was I an SNL it. skit recently about, there was like the musical that they wrote about LaGuardia. If you haven't yeah, seen yes, it. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah. It speaks and by the to way, its beauty. I think your recommendation of Newark is actually like a hot take. Like mm. it's, it's, and then you can actually take, there's, there's great public transportation ways to get into the city from, you don't actually, you sure. don't have to take an Uber if you, if you want to be more budget conscious. Sure. Okay. So anyway, I'm glad you chose the high line because you're giving our listeners like a, a place to a, like a nice place to go to. But if you mm-hmm. are in New York and you, you know, you don't want to sacrifice some of the fun things you have planned, like maybe a Broadway show or a museum or some nice restaurants, I have a budget hotel recommendation mm. in the West Village called The Jane. Do you know The Jane? I don't. Tell me about it. Oh, so it's a great little hotel. It's tucked away like far, far back in the West Village. It's just adorable. They have little like bellhops. So it's kind of like old timey, mm, you know, like yeah. still wear the old timey little uniform. Like they're out of a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> in, in some ways, it's actually very like kind of like hipstery like that. It's very budget friendly. Um, there's a little restaurant attached called the Old Rose Cafe. Now, here's the thing. You can get a larger room if you want, right? Like you've got a little more to spend, but a lot of the rooms are almost like 
they're like cabins, like it, like like almost like you'd almost think of them as like sleeping compartments, right? So oh. it's like like a floor has like a shared, you know, like like multiple shared toilets and right, then like a right, shared right. bathroom with multiple showers. But like they're almost like cabins. Now I'm almost six foot four, right? So this is how small these rooms are. Okay, this is how I mean it's a budget friendly place, but this is how small the rooms are. I was at a gay bar in this was many years ago in New York called the Eagle now I don't know if you've ever been to the Eagle Matt don't go I don't want you to go there it's not safe for you I don't even want you walking down this block all right it is a fun gay bar but I got picked up by the points guy do you know who that is the points guy wait who is that so he's someone you probably you've probably heard of him before. So he's his, he has a website called The Points Guy, and he recommends he's he's international. The New Yorker has profiled him before. He recommends how you can make the most out of like <gasps> credit card points and all that stuff. Ooh. And at the time I met him, he said, "Yeah, I run this blog telling people how to like you know like how to like game the system." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds like a nice and you job were like, or whatever." Yeah, I, I, well, I didn't actually think anything of it. I mean, he's actually like the points guy's kind of well known now. Like he's, mm. I mean, his. You should check out his blog. It's a thing. So anyway, he's taller than I am. He's like six foot seven, and he kind of followed me out of the bar down to my hotel room. And I just didn't have. He's an attractive guy, but I just didn't have the heart to be like, um, I'm staying in like basically like a cabin that I barely fit in. Like you're six seven. There's nothing you and I can do together in that room. Like it's just. <laughs> Not going to happen. So I sort of had to politely say goodbye. Right. But if if our listeners are in New York, they're on a budget, and they want to find like a true budget option and in, in a safe, nice neighborhood, I mean, the Jane is right there in the middle of the West Village. Mm. So like you, I've also got a great West Village dinner wreck. Mm. Uh, have you heard of Via Carrata? I have not. I love this place it's an italian restaurant it's in the village it has like floor to ceiling like french doors it's light it's airy it's beautiful it almost feels like a brasserie but it's italian mm. um i think i think it's really affordable i think it's really lovely the last time i was there i was sitting next to matt Dillon. uh <laughs> i think his career must have been on a downward spiral because i'm pretty sure he had the chicken but whatever um yeah the new yorker actually described it as in 2018 as new york city's most perfect restaurant like Whoa. it's just lovely and they have I, I i believe it's a sister restaurant of theirs but another restaurant just around the corner that i love called um bavette and ah, it's I do know french but ba- french tapas uh-huh yeah so it's like it's not really tapas the way you think of tapas like in a spanish restaurant it's just more like small plates french right right, right. and it's like it's like it's like skinny like a like a match like a match stick and it's just like so so bar seating is plentiful and then it's just like teensy teensy little like two top bistro tables very romantic yeah the waiters you know everybody's kind of stepping around each other but lovely food affordable unpretentious unfussy so these are my these are my two go-to restaurants in the west village nice yeah Okay, so afterward, you're going to go have a drink. I've got two places to go. You're going to mm-hmm. have a pre-drink. Actually, you're going to spend a lot of your night here uh, at Marie's Crisis. I Do don't you know, know Marie's Crisis? No, no, no. Matt, That's a great name, though. Matt, this, Matt Kiever, this bar is tailor-made for you. It's in the heart <laughs> of the West Village. So it's, it's been there for decades, and it's a show tunes bar. <gasps> it is the most fun place. So it's about the size of a New York studio apartment. It is teeny tiny and the piano takes up half the joint. <laughs> On a Friday or Saturday night, you cannot get in. The place is packed. But 
it's also like a delightful fire hazard. Like they'll let way more people in than belong. <laughs> sure. But the piano player, just everybody crowds around the piano. It's the place is su- the joint is super packed and everyone joins in and just sings their heart out all oh, night long. So how the, fun. It, it is so fun. So the piano player will be like, how about a medley from Greece? And yeah. suddenly everyone's singing summer nights together. Oh, you how know? fun. It is yeah. so ridiculously that's like a fun, fun. That's a fun mix between like karaoke and then when you're a little bit too drunk and your song comes on at the bar. This yeah. is like a fun, yeah. acceptable yeah. version of yes. that. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. And if you're like, if you get claustrophobic easily, then come back on a Tuesday. Sure. You know, you, you have that option, but it's a great, okay. So after, sure, after and like, he's just af- playing like piano renditions of like Elliot Smith or just really down, <laughs> really down tempo things on Tuesday. No, it's, I mean, it is, you know, it is sing along every night of the week, oh, how but fun. it's far less crowded on weeknights. Okay. Once you've blown out your vocal cords. Yeah. All right. I want you to retreat to the bar at the Nomad. Okay, so and the, mm-hmm. now here's here's another hotel recommendation, right? Nomad, very nice hotel. Uh, uh, born born in New York City, I don't know, probably eight or nine years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not quite. The, and there's one in downtown Los Angeles now. There's also one in Las Vegas, which is how I know it because it's like a lot of Vegas luxury hotels. It's just the upper floors of another resort. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you know, you sometimes like you, when you, you know, sometimes when you see uh, like a four or five star hotel, and you're like, is that really a four or five star hotel? Yeah. Nomad is very much a five star hotel. <laughs> you walk in and yeah. you're not confused at all. It's it very very nice, and the bar lovely. there is a total pleasure. Yeah. A total pleasure. What's great about it is that if you can't afford to spend four or five, six hundred dollars a night at the Nomad, yeah, uh, you can go there and have a drink in the bar and feel like you're a big shot. And you know, it's not. This is not a place that's going to be like noisy and loud. It's going to be elegant. And, yeah. You know, if, if you can get like a nice seat at the bar, a nice chair, you can feel like you can unwind here and just kind of relax. Yeah. 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 So that's my Friday night. That is an incredible yeah. sounding Friday night. I want to say I'm realizing as we're talking that both Jason and I recognize that. Five or six hundred dollars a night is out of reach for most people, including the two of us. <laughs> so I promise that all of our <laughs> yeah. recommendations are not like break the bank recommendations. But to yeah, be honest, like New York not is New York is a little bit of a pricey city, and anytime I travel there, I'm like ready to throw down some cash. So it's expensive, yeah. but we won't only give chic recommendations. And it's also worth noting that like for someone to spend three hundred, four hundred a night on a hotel is not unusual, right? Especially in that, a city like New York, and when it's busy yeah, there, I mean, that, forget it. That is just a normal price. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so by the end of Friday, all of our guests are already tired and full. And <laughs> if they did your piano bar, then they have no voice too. So good start to the weekend. All right, let's hear about your Saturday. So we head into T- Saturday. Take me through like the first half of it or something. Yeah, so sleep, yeah. In, sleep in if you want. Um, but my recommendation, so you're still in Chelsea. I want you to walk, you know, five or 10 blocks down to Chelsea Market, which is, I would say that you're going to find a lot of tourists in there, but don't shy away from it. When you're walking through Chelsea Market, you don't need to stop at the stores. It's a great place to people watch, but I want you to walk through, stop at 9th Street Espresso and grab a coffee or a tea, whatever is your poison, and then grab a breakfast crepe from Bar Suzette, which is also in Chelsea Market. There's a bunch of little food kiosks and stands. Mm, it's and very then, cool. It's very cool in there, yeah. which is why it's yeah. worth seeing. So just walk through it. You're going to pass um, like pop-up you know, flea market-style shops. There are several restaurants where you can walk by and smell everything. A ton. This is a great place to buy gifts for people, especially like small... Uh, from like local vendors, like food and and wine gifts, things like that. It's an incredible spot. So walk through Chelsea Market, which will take you 20-ish minutes, 30 if you are doing some extra window shopping. You've had your coffee and your crepe. And if you're up for it, I'm going to have you catch the train to Brooklyn. Dun, dun, dun. It's, not as bad as nice. your, it's not as bad as your New York friends say, I promise. But if you steal yourself, get a, get a Metro Pass for the week because you may ride the train a, a, a bit. 
Um, and you can catch the train to, to Brooklyn where I'm sending you. It's about 40-ish minutes. So talk to your friend, bring a book if you're solo. It's it's fun to be on the train. And I'm sending you to the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Have you ever been there? No, I haven't. I love botanic gardens. It's one of the things yeah. that I, tr- I try to do in almost every city that I go to, in addition to like finding cool speakeasies. I love going to different botanic gardens. Mm, yeah. And Brooklyn Botanic Garden is uh, renowned. So it's probably less what than 20 neighborhood? bucks. Uh, Brooklyn. It's like it's sort of sandwiched between Park Slope, just south of Fort Greene, um, cool. you know, Bushwick adjacent. Nice. Um, and so it's you're probably less than twenty about twenty dollars to get in for adults, and then obviously less if you're a kid. It's fifty two acres, so it's big, and they are famous for a couple different features. One of them is like the Japanese pond garden, but they yeah. also have cherry blossoms that come to bloom. And if you've ever seen cherry blossoms before, they bloom. They really have like a month, maybe a month and yeah. a half, where they're yeah. they open and live. And so, yeah. if you happen to be lucky enough to be there in March or April, they've gotten this incredible, like several long lines of cherry blossoms that just dust the ground with their leaves. Oh. It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And then that one of my other favorites lovely. is that they have a, a Shakespeare garden, where yeah. they only feature plants that Shakespeare mentioned in his literary works. Oh my gosh, <laughs> isn't that fun? So there's That's like so New York, it's, it's so specific so and literary specifically and, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very Brooklyn, exactly. So there are like 80 <clears throat> yeah. different types of plants um, that are featured there, and really, it's just I mean, to me, any botanic garden is worth um, just like spending some time and walking around in. Um, mm. And so mm-hmm. when we come back to mine, I'll walk you through how to recover after. Uh, a day at the botanic garden okay so my morning has you so you're staying at the jane so you're on that side of the city my morning has you going to the chelsea hotel do you know the famous chelsea hotel matt i i feel like i know it by name or must know it but not really this is this is in Chelsea. I want to say it's on 30th Street, but some New Yorkers going to be like, you're way off. That's not right <laughs> at all. But anyway, the Chelsea Hotel is where, for decades, famous artists have lived, right? Mm. Like, like Patti Smith and Robert Mapplethorpe lived here when they were like, t- you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of like a lot of famous people have taken up residence here at one year. Now I think it's under construction there. You know, there's a lot of like, there was a lot of like uproar a handful of years ago about like, is, are we losing the Chelsea Hotel? Sure. And there's all this been a lot of scaffolding. But on the ground floor is my favorite little donut shop called Donut Plant. Mm, I have been. I to love donut, donut plant. plant. Yeah, it's great. I, I think there might be a couple other locations, but I always go to the one in Chelsea, and then I walk the High Line. Oh, what a great so, time! Yeah, the High Line is great. It's great any time of year. I mean, yeah. I'm usually in New York City in the warmer months, so it's always perfect. I'm there in summer or fall. But I walk the High Line, which is a former elevated railway that they've now turned into. Uh, uh, a park, like an elevated park. Yep. Uh, and it's great. So I walk the High Line, and now you know. For people who have not been in New York in the last couple of years, on the west side, they've developed a whole new neighborhood that they've named Hudson Yards. <laughs> yep. Right? It's this like new mega neighborhood. It's a lot of fancy new buildings. Yeah. Like, but, but it's worth walking I mean, part around and exploring. Of that, part of that is because it's on the water's edge. And so a lot of those residences yeah. have incredible views that people Absolutely. pay a shit ton yeah. for. And, and like phase one opened last year, but there's still like a phase two and a phase three. I mean, this is a multi-year project. But one of the, one of the things that's open that doesn't cost any money is the new piece of public art, Oculus. Right. What this is, is that? The piece of art. So it's this piece of art that looks like a honeycomb. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I didn't, and it's I like, didn't know that was in Hudson Yard. I don't know why. Yeah, and it's great. Now it's ticketed, but it's free. So make sure if you decide to go to this, go online, get tickets. It's not hard. Just you know, the week before you come to New York, you know, if you're coming in a more touristy season, maybe think about it a little further in advance. I was able to do it day of, but I was also there when it had just opened, so maybe not not on some people's radar. Yeah. But it's free, and they give you a half an hour. You can just run around, take lots of pictures, and Instagram the Instagram the shit out of it, and have fun. <laughs> 
fun and it's fun to walk up the stairs. Yeah. It's 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 a fun little piece of work. Good call. Good call art. on the the reservations because I'd imagine post COVID they're gonna let in like five people a year. So make your reservations now. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you're up that way, I mean Hudson Yards already has a lot of new eating and dining options. Some of them, you know, some of Hudson Yards is like new. It's like mall type stuff. So mm, sure. I don't deal with that. But when you're up that way, um, I really love. Uh, you know, you mentioned Chelsea Market. I really love Gotham West Market. Mm, yeah, smaller yeah, yeah. than Chelsea Market, but it's really fun. Uh, and then my afternoon activity is I usually like to either run along the West Side Highway, so keep up my cardio while I'm traveling and work off some of those, you know, work off those morning donuts. Or I will go because uh, I usually go to New York in the summertime. I'll go sunbathe along the Chelsea Pier. Mm. So if you walk down to the, you know the Village, if you go down the West Side Highway, there's all these piers. Yeah. And you know, like there's a big sports complex down there. There's some that have restaurants on them. But as you get toward the village, there's these great piers where you can just go lay out on. And what the advantage is, is from when you're out the end of the pier, you just get these expansive city views. Totally. Right? Just like perfect city views. All these New Yorkers are out there sunbathing, people out there with their dogs, playing frisbee, whatever the case may be. It's just a really lovely, idyllic afternoon. And I end that afternoon, uh, again, if it's summer, by going to... Big Gay Ice Cream. Have yes, you been? yes, 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 yes. Oh, what a good yes, recommendation. Yes. Great recommendation, right? Yeah. So they have like ice cream named after like the Golden Girls yeah. and it's super fun. <laughs> and their 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 uh their logo is like a big like rainbow colored unicorn. Yeah. It's so fun. So I, it started as a food truck, right? And they would like they would like tweet out where they were going to be and now they opened a, a spot in the West Village and it's it's just a really fun place to go to get soft serve ice cream and sundays and shakes and all that good yeah. stuff and And you're and so right. Yeah. Like per, I'm like picturing in my mind sunbathing and then going to get ice cream afterwards and I'm like totally. I'm smiling ear to ear that sounds incredible yeah. oh, yeah. oh so we're that's missing it this summer I'm so sad it's a, okay so now it's <laughs> mid-afternoon and you are late afternoon you and I are both napping okay yes well, right like and, and all our listeners are napping too because that's what you do like at some point <laughs> of the day you just have to like you run yourself ragged in the city yeah. now what so for me if you're going to catch a nap or catch a break you can sit on you know a park bench and enjoy the garden because uh, mm. if you're on if you're one of my guests you've been doing a lot of walking and I'm going to ask you for yeah. a little bit more but after this I, I think that you do need a, a sit and a snack so i will invite you to, to catch a car it's like 10 minutes north and this is going to be a real neighborhood recommendation but this mm. is the block where i lived when i was in brooklyn and so of course i fell in love with it but it is not a block that you would ever really find yourself that in so you head up to the neighborhood is called clinton hill and i want you to head yeah. to a, a coffee shop called urban vintage it's like a, it's the local hangout spot. There's, you know, bookshelves on the walls and comfy worn in couches and everybody who works there has been there for a minute and they're super friendly. And to me, it's just like the perfect place to sit, look out the corner windows and just sort of watch people live their lives in Brooklyn. You're not going to catch mm. a Times Square crowd by any means. But I, I lived around the corner. And so I used to go do, you know, like a lot of coffee shop computer work there and I would just grab like a coffee and a chocolate croissant and sit there for hours and hours Mm -hmm. and so it's the perfect place to me to go sit for 30 minutes people watch catch a coffee and recharge and then just a block or two south of that is this cool little vintage boutique store called Sujuk and I used to actually live above this store which is why I love it so much but it's like a cool little I mentioned it's a vintage boutique, but they also do like tarot readings and it's a hair salon Uh, and the owner is like always on site and she's as cool as could be. Um, So go spend some time with her. It's a way to shop local and, and grab some goods for gifts or for yourself. Um, and now then, a vintage store that doubles as a hair salon and a tarot, a place where tarot they do it might all. sound, might sound unusual uh, if you're from Schaumburg, Illinois, but if you're in <laughs> Brooklyn, when you're walking the streets of Brooklyn, you'll be like, oh, this is another shop. Yeah. 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 You're like, this is like what most <laughs> yeah, people's this, apartments look like. <laughs> yeah. This is, 
this is what Brooklyn's like. And we yeah. love it for that reason. Yeah. And so after this, you are going to walk 20 minutes west into a neighborhood yeah. called Fort Greene, which you're still in Brooklyn. Mm. Yeah. And I want you to walk to the corner of Lafayette and Fulton and take your pick of where you want to eat. There are so many, I mean, you just, you, it's a beautiful courtyard and you can just sort of turn in a circle and be like, oh, that place looks good. That place looks good. Mm. That place looks good. Um, and they really have like, you know, one of everything. I really recommend, there's a barbecue spot called Peach's Hot House, which is amazing. Nice. Yeah, they do yeah. like, you know, jumbo shrimp sandwiches and they, they do really good barbecue food. And then ju- just around the corner is Habana Outpost. This to me is like a summer must hit. So it's a it's a Cuban place where you go for Cubanos and, and you know, like... Um, like Mexican corn, um, and yeah. you, they have this, yeah, 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 and yeah. then you just grab a drink, and you there. Most of their seating is outside on these beautiful colored, like you know, bright colored benches, and you just sit inside. There's good music going, playing. You get you eat amazing Cuban food, and so that to me is like a great early evening spot um, in Fort Greene. But really, I'm gonna send you to Fort Greene, and you can take your pick. Um, and after this, you're well fed, you're ready to start to enter into your night, and I'm gonna send you to the East Village. So catch either the G train, the um, the L line, or just catch a car back. And we are going to bar hop in East Village to different cocktail clubs. Nice. <laughs> nice. You're going to be so tired by the end of my Saturday. So we're going nice. to, uh, there are, I want you to start on 14th Street and you can sort of work your way down. There's an amazing spot called Pouring Ribbons. And they have, one of my favorite things is that their menu is, they have like a tasting map where every single drink they mark on a scale of refreshing to spiritus. and comforting to adventurous so just based on the names and ingredients it's such a small barrier to entry because you can be like oh i'm feeling adventurous and you know and i want a refreshing drink um and then you can find a drink just based on the map nice yeah so that spot's cool you grab one there and then we're going to head into it's just east of east village called alphabet city and it's really where the um the letter avenue starts so avenue a avenue bc whatever on ninth and c is a spot called the wayland and they have what might be my favorite drink in all of new york it's called i need to hear about it now (laughs) it's It's called i hear banjos and it's been on their menu for a long time much to my delight because i always worry that something you love is going to fall off a menu for a place that changes and i think because it's such a smash hit they keep it on um it's like an apple moonshine and rye cocktail but one of the things they do is they have this like applewood smoke gun and they smoke it into a glass and hold it over your drink for several seconds and so it smokes it and so then they take it off and it's like you stuck your face in like a barbecue pit deep down in memphis or something and you just get hit with a whiff of that and then you take a sip and it's this like sharp and sweet because it's the apple moonshine and it's just like smoky and sweet and i look over and there's like jazz music playing to my side and the bartenders are slinging drinks and i like have such a vision in my mind of of sipping this and it's it's so good it's one of my favorites sometimes new york reminds me of how uncool la is <laughs> i mean i don't want to say that we're cool in a different a completely yeah. different way but you're describing i mean the, the the senses that you like like you're describing this and i'm i'm there i'm yeah. right there with you i know like even though i haven't been to the bar you're talking about i know this bar in my mind i, I can picture where it's at i could picture myself there with you having a co- one of these cocktails like yeah. just having a new york moment like mm, <laughs> it's so good yeah okay um and so there are two other spots i'm going to recommend and I will first say that I don't expect you to have four strong, heavy cocktails by the end of this night. These are just some places that you could go. So go put your name in at Death & Company or Death & Co. Have you ever heard of them? 
No. It's another famous spot that they've really done well. And they, I think they've got a joint in LA and some other cities. They have a, okay. you know, a cocktail book that's out, but it's hard yeah. to get in. So they don't take reservations. Just go put your name in and it might be like an hour or two and then head over um, a little bit west to a spot called Mayawell Mariposa, or it's also called Maya Mezcal. And mm-hmm. if you are like a tequila or mezcal head, this is the spot for you. They've got 30 different tequila or mezcal cocktails on their menu. I think they have like 60 plus different types of really good tequila or mezcal sitting on their shelves. Um, and it's just a, one of those spots where you can try a ton of different variations on like, you know, mezcal old fashions or different types of margaritas. Um, and it's just a cool spot where the all the bartenders are knowledgeable and open to talking to you. And they're very easy too. So we needed like, we went one time when we needed a second snack. So we ordered pizza to the bar and they just brought it to our table and we got to like sit in their little patio area and Eat our, yeah. our eat our outside ordered pizza, um, nice. and so if you still got it in you, head back to Death and Co after that and grab a, another nightcap. But that's that'd be a lot of drinking. Head back to your hotel and crash after that. I love it. Okay, so <laughs> my night puts puts people in a similar part of the city. All right, so I'm sending folks down to the Lower East Side for dinner. Okay, I've got a couple wrecks there. Okay, so I love Chinese food. Mm. I. Create like my mouth waters for Chinese food. So there's two places I'm gonna recommend. One is called Mission Chinese, which uh, yes. started in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. So that's where the original location is. I love the location in uh, New York City. The the original location in New York City closed down, and then mm. they opened a bigger one also in the Lower East Side. And it's much more. It much more conjures up like the kind of old timey Chinese restaurants that have like big lazy Susans <laughs> and have kind of like yeah. an almost like dated vibe. You know, like these places you'd see in Chinatown. Yeah. Um, but Mission Chinese is great. Mission Chinese is not. It's not what I would call Americanized Chinese food, but it's also not, you know how like there's like the real menus that people talk about at Chinese restaurants. This isn't that either. It's more like the evolution of Chinese food. I think it's really like a chef's take on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's exactly right. Well done. It's a chef's take on Chinese food, but I love Mission Chinese. Now, if you want to spend a little less money or if you want something a little more authentic, a little more hole in the wall, there's a place that I'm obsessed with called Lam Zhu Handmade Noodles. Ooh. It's so good, Matt. First of all, it's like it is a dive. There's maybe eight tables in there. You know, it's super uh, inexpensive. I mean, I mean, you know, for New York. Um, But you can go get dishes full of just like big, fat, yummy, chewy, delicious noodles. And they also do like really mean like dumplings and and you know uh Mm. uh spicy wonton you know like spicy wonton and so it's like it just hits all the notes i love like my mouth is like stinging right now thinking about it (laughs) i i love that place as well now once you've filled yourself up with greasy yummy delicious chinese food i'm actually going to send you up to the east village to sort of cleanse your palate with dessert I want you to go to Chicalicious Dessert Bar. Do you yes, know this place? Yes, I do. I used to yes, live a so, few blocks from there. <laughs> so I love Chicalicious, right? So I have a like, I have like a sick sweet tooth. I mean, like I crave sweets all the time. Oh, that place is um, heaven for you. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. And it's just a dessert bar. So you just go there. Yeah. You sit at a bar. It's like like a bar, like like in the TV show Cheers, right? So it's kind of like a, it's kind of, I think it's like a, a horseshoe shape, but, mm, yeah. but like, you know, like, but but angled. And you just sit around it and you just order dessert off the menu, maybe have like a little, um, uh, you know, dessert wine with it, or maybe like a little espresso or something like that. And then, and that's it. And it's just great. And it's been around for a long time. I, I like I like nervously typed it in, thinking like, is it surviving COVID? And I believe it's actually open right now for takeout. So oh, I totally it believe is, it. Yeah, it is surviving and hopefully thriving. Okay, yeah. so after that, my bar night 
is also in the East Village. So if you are a G-A-Y, which I am, right, a lot of the like slick, glossy, pretty bars are all up in Hell's Kitchen, right? Mm, the mm-hmm. scene moved from Chelsea. It migrated north to Hell's Kitchen about a decade ago. And that's where all the fancy gay bars are. But the East Village still has all the like divey, you know, dirty, <laughs> neighborhoody, sleazy bars. So I'm talking about bars like the Boiler Room, the Phoenix, Nowhere, the Cock, Club Coming, which I actually believe uh, Alan Cumming is a partner in. Oh, how fun. It used to be called, it used to be called Eastern Block. We love and Alan Cumming. It, yeah, and it's very tiny, and they do a lot of like performances, drag shows, cabarets. Like It's a fun space. So those are all bars that I love to go to, and, and like... You know, I can be there till like, I can close, it could be 4 a.m. and I'm still like, I gotta have one more. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna hit them all tonight. However, I wanna offer this as an alternative. If you're listening, you're like, "Mm, I don't wanna go to your sleazy gay bars, and they're not sleazy. Uh, If you wanna go to a classy cocktail bar, uh, like the ones Matt Kiever recommended, go to the Aviary at the Mandarin Oriental in Columbus Circle. So the Aviary is actually the brainchild of Grant Ackett, a Chicago chef. And he has an aviary in Chicago, and that's the one I've been to. But these are so he he's one of the pioneers of like you know molecular gastronomy, right? Mm. This like strange reinterpretation of food as art. And this is and the aviary is this cocktail version of that. And these drinks are bonkers, right? I mean, these are like you're like this isn't a cocktail. What? Wait, yeah. I'm supposed to read this? It levitates. It dissolves in my. T- wait, what is this? So if you want that kind of fun, and just know that it's going to set you back a pretty penny. But you can't ask for much more iconic. New York than, you know, be, being in like a high rise, you know, like a hotel, 30th floor, wherever yeah. it is, overlooking Columbus Circle. Yeah. And we should note that um, Columbus Circle is not East Village. It's much further no, north, right. just south of Central Park. That's right. So it's it's Upper West Side. Yeah. 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 Or, or the beginning of the Upper West Side. Yeah. When you say, right. So sorry, like, I think it's so. Like yeah. 59th, right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's my Saturday night. That is a good and fun Saturday night. And, and to note, like you're right, like a a single cocktail will set you back, but I think we've talked about this before, but those are places where you can go and have one, maybe two. Right. And you know, be 20, 30 bucks out, but you can have a great time just having one. And there's so much to understand about them that you, you're fine. And these are cocktails you slowly sip anyway. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Yeah. And uh, okay. So okay, go ahead. That's it. So we're headed yeah. to Sunday morning. We need a we, we need a sleep finale. in after yes. both of our Saturday nights. Yeah. So have a sleep in. And uh, my Sunday is actually. I, I'm curious if this is your experience, but to me, like Sunday mm. in New York is a little bit melancholy. It's like when you get the mm. Sunday scaries before going back to work. You know, Sunday oh. sun like you wake up Sunday morning and you're like, I have a whole day, but it's like I got a flight tonight, yeah. and oh. I don't I don't oh. want to. Leave. I don't want to, I want to stay. Worst. It's the worst. Yeah, the so, Sunday so my Sunday is a little bit lighter um, and achievable and it's meant to be flexible so that you can just like spend some time enjoying or walking around New York if you want. Yeah. But you're going to wake up at the Highland Hotel and hopefully you will have made a reservation, but you're going to just walk across the street to Cook Shop. Nice. So I worked at Cook Shop. Um, for basically almost my full three years that I lived in New York. And so I'm, I'm biased that I love this place. And I think it is really, truly one of the best restaurants in the city because mm-hmm. of like how consistent it is and how warm and friendly it is. Um, the chefs are good. The staff is always is always amazing. Uh, and they, they are one of the busiest brunch places. You also like have a great chance of seeing celebs at Cook Shop um, because mm-hmm. it's next to the High Line. So it gets a ton yeah. of traffic. And they, yeah. they've been in Chelsea since before the High Line 
Um, and so it's really fun to see them become a staple of what is now a very grown and, and changed neighborhood. Um, but go and just like scan the menu and follow your heart. Everything is good. Mm, they they mm-hmm. they also do incredible Bloody Marys. If that's your thing, they've got a bunch of them you can choose from. But go get ready to talk loud and be surrounded by energy and get ready to be stuffed. Because um, after nice. that, uh, I've got a couple different recommendations. And this is where you're going to do something touristy. But I mm-hmm. am going to send you to the Highland because if you didn't do Jason's trip, it's worth doing the walk. And it begins just near or there's an entrance to it just near or across the street from cook shop. So it's a great path right up to it. Mm-hmm. And you walk North. And if you're up for the walk, you're going to walk all the way up to times square where you will mm-hmm. have purchased tickets to a Broadway show. So I think this, yeah. I think catching a matinee on Sunday is a great, great idea. Yeah. 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 yeah, um, yeah. And so, so if, and, and I won't give any recommendations, you can go to broadway.com or go to, you know, look up stuff on TripAdvisor. Um, really follow your heart that just see a, a show on Broadway. Almost everything is good except Chicago. Chicago has been on there forever and you don't need to see it. <laughs> watch older productions of chicago instead online um uh, uh, we we were supposed to i that's a little close to home for me because uh just like this month or last month we were supposed to go to new york for basically a theater show or like a, a theater tour so we were mm-hmm. going to see the new off-broadway revival of assassins by sondheim we were going to see jagged oh, little pill the new alanis yeah. morissette musical we oh. were going to see Hades Town, which just swept at uh the tony's and then yeah. we were also going to see Beetlejuice before it closed. And obviously all of that got canceled. So we we're really bummed. Um, so oh, I would say, I would say if you're not going to do theater, because those tickets can be expensive, head to one of the museums. MoMA is amazing. Met's amazing. The Natural History, uh, the, um, is it the American History of Natural, American Museum of Natural History, I think, on the, on the west side of um, mm-hmm. Central Park. Any of those would be good and are much cheaper alternatives. And then you're going to head back to your hotel, grab a bite at the bar and head to the airport. That's my Sunday. Okay, awesome. So, like yours, I know that feeling of melancholy, and uh, I'm also going to assume because you spent so much time out, you because you closed down the bars on Saturday night, you're sleeping a little bit. Yeah. So I'm sending you to brunch in Harlem. Ooh. So you asked me about that summer that I spent in New York City. I spent a chunk of that time living in Harlem. Uh, I lived in South Harlem. I absolutely loved it. So I was at the northwest corner of Central Park on Frederick Douglass Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So like the the 100 teens, maybe 120s. I loved it up there, but Right, a little further, uh, a little further east is a restaurant called Red Rooster. Do you know Red Rooster? I don't. Man? No, I I rarely went above like twentieth Street. <laughs> so yeah, Harlem well, is Rooster- lost to me. Red Rooster's great. Uh, Ethiopian chef Marcus Samuelson. Mm. It's a fantastic place for like Southern food and soul food. I took my mom there when we did New York about ten years ago. She loved it. And what's great about this is that once you've had your full of like, you know, fried chicken and all that good stuff at uh, Red Rooster, walk straight down to Central Park and you're at the top, you're at the northernmost part of Central Park, mm. which is a part of the park that most tourists don't go to. Right. You know, so this is great. While you're up there, you can go to like the Untermeyer Fountain, the Butterfly Gardens, the North Woods, the Great Hill. Uh, so lovely, lovely choice. Or if you want to skip Central Park from Red Rooster, you could also go up to the Cloisters, which I've done before, which is really nice, right? It's that like, it's a museum of medieval art, but just walking around up there is super beautiful. You're like, we're still in Manhattan. I mean, this is like the what, the like 170s or 180s. I mean, it's way, way <laughs> yeah. up there. It's just another, you're like, we're not in Kansas anymore. So that's great. <laughs> However, if you 
are feeling Brooklyn deprived, I'm going to send you over to Brooklyn as well. And some general recommendations here. I think Coney Island is a blast in summertime. <sighs> I think it's fun to go down there, lay out on the beach, do the cyclone, which I've done before. It's the like, it's the scariest roller coaster, not because of like height or drop, but because you think it's going to like break at <laughs> Fling any you into second. the ocean at any point. <laughs> and it probably will. But Coney Island's just like a blast from the past or walk around Prospect Park. Another great beach I love way out there is Jacob Reese park mm. if you want to know like what swimsuits the rest of america will be wearing in five years like go to jacob reese park because it's like it is hipster central it's like yeah. all these like brooklyn hipster elite you know like you know experiencing leisure or walk down to the waterfront parks around dumbo like main street park or empire fulton ferry park that's all been redeveloped and it's just really beautiful uh and then yeah usually after that then i might try to like if I was like still living, you know, in the Midwest at the time, I might try to have like an early dinner uh, with a friend of mine in uh, Hell's Kitchen. But at that point, you know, and then and then usually I'm staying with him. So like, you know, I go back to his place. <laughs> I say goodbye. I'm like, uh, I, 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 he's like, Sunday why don't you live here? And I'm like, I know I should. He's like, just move in with me. I'm like, I know, you know. But that's sort of that's yeah. my final day in uh, in New York. And it's it it uh, is bittersweet. <laughs> but it's, it's always yeah. bittersweet. But, so I'm closing my eyes and picturing your recommendations, and I'm exhausted. So part of me is ready to go home <laughs> yeah 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 and say, same here like yeah I, I actually i mean next time i go to new york i will for sure hit up what's the restaurant in the village that you recommended uh joseph leonard joseph leonard yeah. and wait, wait wait was it bathtub gin joseph leonard and bathtub gin good job i mean that's like right up my alley <laughs> it's a one-two so, punch for company sure. sounds great too yeah. Uh, yeah yeah okay so we have talked a ton about new york but that's not all that's not all well before we move into our last segment can i read you a quick couple quick fun facts about new york of course <laughs> so we know this is a, this is one that most people know but there are 800 languages spoken in new york city making it the most linguistically diverse city in the world holy crap 800 is a lot i barely speak one um <laughs> uh new york city on a, on a good day new york city has the greatest population density in the u.s if mm -hmm. it had the same population density as alaska only 28 people would live there. <laughs> That's so Everybody's funny. on top of each other in New York. Okay, that and my, so my uh, last one is that New Yorkers bite 10 times more people a year than sharks do. On the subway? <laughs> I have to imagine. <laughs> it's not at the Trump Hotel lobby. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> oh. Okay, but right. you have got... A history lesson for us. Well, let's call it. So what happened here is story storytelling segment of our podcast. So I've prepared a story about New York that Jason doesn't know is coming. So Jason, are you familiar with the mole people of New York City? No. <laughs> I had to think about it. No, I'm not. It would be. It would I, I was be like, much... I was like, I was like, I was like, is this a Brooklyn band? Maybe. Like, are they on, are they on my Spotify? I don't know. Maybe they were like they they were the se the second only to the village people. The mole people never made it. <laughs> All right, I want you to close your eyes and picture the scene. After thousands of generations of living without sunlight and toiling in the dark, society's poor have evolved into a subterranean race of humans who can no longer see in the daylight. These creatures have dull gray to white skin chinless faces, large grayish red eyes with a capacity for reflecting light, and flaxen hair on the head and back. While they once ate animals like rats that they found underground, the scarcity of this food led these creatures to become cannibalistic. We must now believe that man has not remained one species, but has differentiated into two distinct animals. The graceful children of the upper world are not the sole descendants of our generation. 
but those bleached, obscene, nocturnal things are also heir to all the ages. Mm. <laughs> so that yeah. is a description of um, characters who are called the Morlocks from H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. And that'll be important because there's this broad idea of people who live beneath us or creatures who are like the underdwellers of society. So since, yeah. so since New York subway lines opened in 1904, there have been these myths and stories about people who live underground. And with these subway lines, the city also expanded uh, like sewer and steam lines. And, and by and large, these expansions were, were unseen by the public. And so because of this, it pretty easily combined with popular fantasy to create the urban legend of mole people. Mm-hmm. The myths about these underground dwellers were largely inspired by like European science fiction from the late 1800s, like the segment I just read by um, by H.G. Wells, Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth, and George Gissing's The Netherworld. They all talk about people who lived beneath us. But in New York, in New York, uh, these stories were mostly just myths that people discussed, really until the 1990s, when a New York Times journalist named John Tierney published an article that documented the lives of the people who lived in an abandoned train tunnel beneath Riverside Park along the banks of the Hudson River. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. following this, there was a massively popular essay called The Mole People by Jennifer Toth or Toth that sort of half fictionalized a secret underground society where people burrowed into shafts and caverns. They had like governments and elected officials and thousands of residents. Basically, it suggested that there was a massive underground society, very similar to above ground society. So living in the labyrinthine networks originally built for the subway system. They were originally built for, well, we'll talk about that, but they were originally built for like freight trains um, and, and as oh, an okay. extension of the park that they were adjacent to, but they had since been emptied. And so in 1991, this article was written about the mole people who now live there in their emptiness. So it, it, this is an alleged, an alleged population of people who live their lives underneath New York City. Sort of. There was very little known about them, but they are actual people who lived there. The alleged part is sort of the myth about mole people because when okay. when the articles came out, you combine sort of an unseen place with the public imagination and all of a sudden mole people were described as having like you know kind of animalistic traits. They could see in yeah, the dark, yeah. they ate a lot of unsavory or discarded items, they were afraid of the sun. Um, and really this is an example of something real that had been inflated through fantasy. So by and large, the, the fantastic elements of the story have, have really been debunked. But it is true that in many places, there are people who live beneath or underneath the streets. Um, so in reality, the story of the mole people of Riverside Park Tunnel, Tunnel describes a small community of maybe like 100 or so individuals who found a space for themselves where they felt safe and separate. Um, but they lived in very meager conditions and really had a lot of the same troubles as homeless individuals who live above on the streets. So let's talk about the tunnel. Um, yeah. One resident of the tunnels said, when I first came down in the tunnels, it looked dangerous, real dangerous, because even in the daytime, it was dark. I was scared, but I thought it can't be as bad as it is up top because out in the street, you had kids fucking with you. You had police fucking with you. I mean, anybody can walk by you while you're sleeping on a bench and bust your head. At least down in the tunnel, you ain't got to worry about that. Nobody in their right mind is going to come down here. You don't have to worry about nobody coming down and messing with you because they're not. They're going to be too scared. But to me, once you get past your fears on the first or second night, you adjust. You'd be surprised what the human mind and the human body can adjust to. Wow. <laughs> so Riverside Park Tunnel sits beneath Riverside Park along the yeah. water's edge of the west side of Manhattan and really runs between yeah. like 72nd and 124th Street. So uh-huh. from the 30s to the 19 to about 1980, it was used, like we talked about, as an expansion of the park and really as passage for freight trains. So it's, it's huge in there. But in 1980, okay. those operations ended, and it pretty quickly became a haven for the homeless. 
Yeah. One resident described it as a sanctuary or a place to find a break from the chaos. And unlike the myth, they did not have elected officials in government, but there were rules that you more or less had to obey. Rules for privacy, no yelling, no stealing, no belligerence. Um, And as a result, there was also no curfew, theft, or violence like what was typically experienced in homeless shelters. Yeah. Um, And the people who lived in Riverside Park were a very diverse collection of people. Like many had issues, of course, with mental illness or drug addiction, while others sort of found themselves there after running out of money. There was a woman named Brooklyn who might have been like the oldest resident of the tunnel community. She was a former named Brooklyn named Brooklyn. Of course. Yeah. She was a former Marine who had lived there since 1982 when she discovered the place by following a bunch of feral cats into the tunnel. Wow. She was known for breaking the noise rules by singing loudly and taking care of 49 cats. Wow. <laughs> like that's a lot of cats in a very specific number. Uh, I don't know who counted them, but I know that like, I'm not sure I could pick my cat out of a lineup, let alone keep track of 49 different cats. 49. She's like the Hemingway of the underground tunnel world. Do you get that reference? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, Hemingway loved cats. Did he and really? It, and it, at, yeah. And it is home in Key West, which is now a museum. At the Hemingway home, he had like 30, 40, 50 cats. I mean, they were everywhere. And they, 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 they were well known because they had six toes. They were polydactyls. Yeah. And so after Hemingway left Key West, and then I think he went to Cuba from there. And then, of course, he ended up in uh, uh, northern Idaho where he committed suicide yeah. in the 60s. But, um, but they preserved his, his lineage of cats. And they've now selectively been crossbreeding them so that to this day, you can go and hang out with the original descendants of Hemingway's cats <gasps> from when he lived there in the four, you know, 40s and 50s or whatever. Yeah. And they have the, they have the six toes. Wow. So anyway, that was just a little bit of a, a, little, a little reference to that. But keep going. So <laughs> she was one resident of the tunnel. Yeah. Another guy, was named, his name is Bob Kalinske. And he was, a, he was a speed addict. And he was known as the fastest cook east of the Mississippi because his legend was that he could fry 20 eggs at a time when he was on amphetamines. <laughs> Bob Kalinsky. That sounds like a Chicago sportscaster. That's, that's well, who Bob Kalinsky He might have is. been in his former life, but then in this story, he's a speed addict, so who can cook 20 eggs, which is so many eggs. Anyways, so wow. in the many pieces of media that have, have been released since all this first came out, there was one guy's name whose story was featured the most, whose name was Bernard Isaac. Bernard had a BA in journalism, in addition to some time spent studying philosophy. And I don't really know how, but this led him to work as a model, a TV crew member, a maintenance worker in Central Park. And really his slow journey towards homelessness began when he was working as a tour guide in the Caribbean and he began smuggling cocaine into the U.S. He would spend his smuggling profits on these huge parties that he had at his penthouse at the Upper West Side. And eventually he lost all his money and his friends. And by the late 1980s, he was sleeping in the Riverside Park Tunnel. One day when Bernard was coming into the north end of the tunnel, three men stopped him and asked him for a toll to get in. Like they tried to charge him to get in. Mm -hmm. And he responded, do you know who you're talking to? I'm the fucking Lord of the Tunnel. And so that, of course, became his name, Lord of the Tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) He became a de facto sportsperson for the residents, speaking to the media and outreach groups and really advocating for how life in the tunnel was better than life in shelters. And in some ways, I can really understand how it was. Many of the residents didn't consider themselves homeless. Mm -hmm. They instead had felt like they found a place where they had privacy, a community, access to electricity, food and shelter, all Mm -hmm. with really without having to pay for it and while being off the grid. And the the main things that they really didn't have were like running water and consistently clean conditions. But what they did have was a version of what you could call homes. And these were homes that were built out of like whatever the residents could find. Mm-hmm. One man lived in a six foot high by five foot wide pipe. And he ran electricity from like an outlet 
to power his refrigerator and heating system mm-hmm. within his tunnel. Um, but other residents really made these like plywood shanties and, and bunkers that had rugs and beds and nightstands, kerosene lamps, wood and gas stoves, paintings on the walls, pets in the yard. I mean, they were fully functioning bedrooms with front doors and locks, kitchens with cupboards and cookware, and they had separate buckets for water and waste, like very robust, you know, quote homes that they built out of any materials. Um, and the tunnel was filled with goods that had been thrown out, clothes, TV, appliances, and residents were able to use all these by tapping into the subway's electricity system. And for food, this is interesting, but there are nearly 27,000 restaurants and markets in New York City that discard Mm -hmm. at the end of each day. Um, And so the tunnel's residents gathered and used that discard. So it's estimated that nearly 70% of the discarded food in New York City is still it's considered still usable or edible edible. Yeah. And many yeah. of the goods that they found on the street were like in perfect working condition. Yeah. yeah and so as yeah. a result, they were able to sell these goods that they found for the little money that they needed for like food, clothing, materials, drugs, whatever. Um, and so from 1980, just 1980 to 1991, the tunnel and the residents were mostly left alone. But in addition to the around hundred or so residents moving in over the years, it also became a destination for graffiti and street artists to work without mm-hmm. fear of arrest. So the tunnel has these light shafts made by grates in the sidewalk from the park that's up above. And graffiti artists would center their pieces in the light from these shafts, sort of highlighted like artwork in a gallery. Yeah. And there was an artist named Chris Pape, Chris Pape, P-A-P-E, whose nickname was Freedom. And he was the first person to explore these tunnels for the purpose of art. So Freedom started creating art in the tunnels in 1980, the same year that those tunnels were, were first abandoned. And he got the idea after working on graffiti on the walls around Riverside Park, which was above, and one day as he was leaving, he looked down through the grates in the sidewalk and noticed that the walls were covered in light from the grate up above. And he noticed that there were people who kept walking by the patch of light. And he thought, like, I should put something there because then people will see it. So he went down and in that same shaft of light created this beautiful black and silver rendition of Da Vinci's, da Vinci's famous Mona Lisa. So after that, he spent mm-hmm. years creating artwork on the walls of the tunnel and, and inspired other artists to do the same. But the artwork that he created and that others created really centered around the lives and the stories of the people who lived in the tunnel, which to me is awesome and speaks to the sense of community that they had when they lived down there. But Freedom's artwork is always a focal point. And so because of this, the Riverside Park Tunnel was dubbed the Freedom Tunnel, which it's sort of informally still called to this day. Mm-hmm. Like if you search Riverside Park Tunnel, Freedom Tunnel will come up. And so his most freedom's most famous pieces uh, were like a self-portrait that he did of a of a spray where he had a spray can head. He did this piece called "There's No Way Like the American Way," which was actually a, it looked like a Coca-Cola ad, but was a tribute to the homeless people in the tunnel. And he would also do these beautiful black and silver renditions of classical art, like the Mona Lisa. He did Michelangelo's famous, you know, the hands touching from the Sistine Chapel. He did mm-hmm. the Venus de Milo. So he's a very very gifted artist. He just happened to choose graffiti. And so all of this really lasted until April of 1991, so about 11 years. And at that point, Amtrak, who now owned the tunnel, reopened it to what is now its current use, which is transportation to and from Penn Station in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. At that time, they came to notify all the residents that they had 30 days to evacuate and offer them vouchers for shelters or other temporary housing. And the residents, as you might imagine, hated this idea. They resisted leaving at all. Um, One resident used the language that Amtrak was trying to break up their family. And one reason they were so mad and scared to move into shelters is because conditions conditions in the shelters were noticeably more dangerous than they were in the tunnels. There was mm-hmm. theft, drugs, and violence were and probably are a regular part of shelter life. And plus they had significantly less space 
in shelters than they did in the tunnels to call their own. And so for three years, residents went back and forth between the tunnels and shelters, fighting with the Amtrak police until 1994 when they received permanent housing, which left the tunnels empty for the first time since the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, though, adjusting back to social life was sort of difficult for a lot of the people who had been in a tunnel for 11 years. Um, and several of them died from disease or suicide. Some were able to find more secure housing and are still living. And one man, you know, he became the manager of a hotel and he owned his own cleaning company. And Bernard, the lord of the tunnel, he passed away in 2014 and his ashes were taken back to Florida, his hometown. So since the 1990s, Amtrak has repainted the tunnels in an effort to, they said, restore their original appearance. But a second reason is because urban explorers and fans will sometimes still sneak into the tunnels and try to find the remnants of like the people or the artwork, yeah. even though it's yeah. now illegal. Yeah. yeah. Today, as far Which as... Which is exactly what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, after, Seriously. That's right. I like, described I'm, it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm so into this now. I've already Google imaged it while you've been talking. Yeah. Like, um, I had to like picture it for real. It looks amazing, it by looks the way. Like, like the, haunt, it's like what, dark and spooky. The, it's the so, photos I'm seeing, yeah. Yeah, it's intriguing for sure. Um, and so today, as far as I know, there are no consistent residents of the Freedom Tunnel, which is partly because it's regularly monitored by the Amtrak police. There are mm-hmm. new paint jobs, and because of that year and years of water damage, mean that most of the original artwork from the 80s is gone, is now covered up by graffiti or just entirely washed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to say that this this story is also about the very real issue of homelessness. And so I guess I want to finish all this all by like highlighting a few, uh, highlighting sort of like a current state for people who are at risk in New York City and elsewhere. So as of May 2020, this year, there were nearly 60,000 homeless people in New York City, including 13,500 homeless families and 20,000 homeless children who sleep each night in the New York City uh, shelter system. The primary cause, from what I've read, is of homelessness, particularly among families, is lack of affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And to me, this makes mm-hmm. sense because the average one bedroom in New York City is like over three grand a month. Yeah, it's right. it's super expensive. Right. Um, so studies show that the large majority of street homeless New Yorkers are people living with mental illness or severe health problems. Um, and I will say that people of color are disproportionately affected by homelessness. Approximately 57 percent of heads of household and shelters are black. 32% are Hispanic or Latinx, and only 7% are white, with less than 1% being Asian American or Native American. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last thing I'll say about that is that COVID, we know, will have a, or coronavirus will have a massive impact on the homeless. There was one Columbia University study I read that due to unemployment, homelessness could increase as much as 45% over the next year, which Oof. is around an additional 250,000 people in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that... Um that's an amazing story, by the way. The t- like, why hasn't there been a documentary on this? Why hasn't there been a, a narrative? Like a, a, I mean, like, the, I, I'm obsessed <laughs> now. This is my new obsession. Seriously. But to your point, you may recall a few months ago, remember I did my little charity wave-a-thon uh-huh. where I, you know, and the reason I chose to give the money to the LA Food Bank is because I knew that food insecurity had been, had gone up because of COVID. Yeah. So it is, look, it is true that homeless people avail themselves of food banks, but it's also true that Often the case, the person who makes your coffee in the morning is going to that food shelter, yeah. you know, experiences food insecurity. Yeah. So like, that's another thing that people can do, like give to an organization like the LA Food Bank or the food bank in whatever, you know, town or neighborhood you live in. Huge. I was able to raise more than $500 that provided something like, it was like several thousand meals because right. each meal only cost them a quarter, right. you know, because they, <laughs> because they get bruised food, you know, they get things by the, by the, you know, by the, you know, by huge. Yeah. 
amounts and you know because it's like imperfect food or whatever they get it for such a low cost but like yeah it's amazing like a dollar provides four meals so like yeah if you donate 10 bucks to your local food bank that can do so much so so uh, much to help people yeah. who are food insecure so um that was amazing Matt. yeah i love that <laughs> good well there, I, to I your really point love that. there is a documentary which is how i learned about some of this it's called ah, it's called okay. dark days uh i think yeah. the guy who made it, its name is mark singer and it explores the tunnels they interview the residents um it's really cool. And you can still find Freedom, the artist, on Instagram. He's at Chris Freedom Pape. Um, and I want to just give another big shout out to the many, many resources that I pulled from for this story, which I'm going to reference them on our site, which is wishyouwerehearepodcast.com, if you want to go read some of the stories that I read yourself. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome that you did. Okay. We have got to close out this episode, <laughs> but we have one final little tiny segment, and that is uh, we always like to end our show with a game uh-huh. uh, or, so, or some little fun way to close it out. And this time it is Hearsay, where we look at Yelp reviews that people have written and seen what kind of like angry, spiteful, hateful <laughs> things they've said. And what I did was I decided instead of talking about the places you and I have talked about, I pulled out big New York tourist traps mm. and, or, or, or t- tourist icons. was like, what did the people have to say about them? So first up, the Statue of Liberty. Oh my gosh. Okay. A couple, <laughs> just a couple quotes, a couple Yelp reviews on the Statue of Liberty. Says Travis T. I hate it. It's stupid. The French are so pompous. <laughs> I love that one. It's like, put on your MAGA hat, eat your freedom fries, you'll be fine. I remember when I visited the Statue of Liberty, being surprised at how small it was. Yeah, 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 right? (laughs) It's like very normal size, yeah. Here's another one I like. She's not even looking at us. Disrespect. (laughs) Wait, hold on. And why the island? (laughs) That's from Lauren G. Why can't she just live in Manhattan? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right. Okay, Times Square, people were less charitable. Oh, no. Says Lauren S. This place makes me want to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> Says J.S. In Orwellian dystopia. <laughs> Says Thompson P. Fucked, fuck Times Square to death with an axe. <laughs> and says, this is my favorite one from Stacy C. She actually kind of likes Times Square, but this is what she had to say about the friend she was meant to go with. Next time I go to Times Square, I'm going with either myself or someone who actually cares about me, like maybe Charlene. <laughs> sure, she's a pug, but she's a good listener. I love you, Sarah, but I also hate you. Maybe on one day we can repair the da- maybe one day we can repair the damage you've done, but until then, I'll have to enjoy the square all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you just aired your dirty laundry in a public forum. I was looking right? for like where to eat in Times Square, and I learned how terrible Charlene is. Right. Okay. Katz's Deli. Do you know Katz's Deli? I do. Yeah. 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 The famous, famous Jewish deli. It's right on the. I think it's it's on Houston uh, Street. Yeah. By the lower, right. right, Sort of where the Lower East Side begins. And of course, this was uh, immortalized in the movie When Harry Met Sally, the famous orgasm scene. Okay. Remember, it's a deli. And this is what someone wrote. wrote, This is the worst steakhouse I've ever been in. (laughs) Their steak made me vomit the first time I tried their steak. It tasted like a foot. Plus, there was a hair on my steak. I don't think they sell steak there. Okay, that was from Short S. Uh, this this one I love. This one I love from KDF. Uh, in, in, in enraged KDF, if I cannot pronounce the restaurant's name, I will not eat at that restaurant. Ooh, baby, your she choices are going to be limited. <laughs> she can't pronounce Katz's Deli. I'm guessing I know what kind of. Well, it says it says it says Katz's delicatessen, I think, on the side, and that's a hard word to say, right? (laughs) (laughs) Delicatessen. We call it Katz's deli for short, but your choices Uh, are going to be limited, friend. If you can't, if you don't go to restaurants that you can't pronounce. And then the last one was, um, and and you have to you have to understand how this was written. It was written C A T S, and they wrote, "You spelled cats wrong, dipshit." (laughs) (laughs) When somebody's opinion becomes a public forum, I love it. uh, The Highline Park. 
Someone wrote, uh, nothing but weeds. That's right, weeds. I know what weeds are, and there's nothing but weeds. There's nothing of any value on this stupid, ridiculous, weed-infested, uneven boardwalk to nowhere. <laughs> That's Laszlo B. And then lastly, I looked up this uh, New York City icon called Cook Shop, but all the negative reviews were specifically from like 2013 to 2015. 15, so the yeah. years, the years they, you were working there. Did they mention this asshole weird. bartender? <laughs> no, I didn't look up Cook Shop. In fact, I did, and there was people raved about it. Uh, yeah, so of course, as you and I can imagine, there was going to be some uh, some big time opinions of people's. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'll get uh, I'll give a real time review of Cook Shop. Uh, I talked about celebrity sightings earlier, and John Stamos is famous, or at least was when I worked in hospitality. Famous for, Stamos. Yeah, famous Stamos, yeah. and it was called getting Stamos, which is where he would come in one minute before closing with like two or three, <laughs> two or three beautiful women. And just park, park himself in a back booth and enjoy a full meal for like four hours. It's called getting stamos. Misery. It's not even like a great celeb. It's not like you're stuck for four hours with someone awesome that you like love. He 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 looks good. I will say. I don't know how old he is, but he he can still get it. I did. I did run into Jake Gyllenhaal actually multiple places in New York, but at the Chelsea Market. Yeah. Um. And at ABC Kitchen over. Uh, ABC Kitchen is great. In New York, yeah. Yeah. A- yeah. Yeah. ABC Kitchen is great. How fun! Okay, All right, we so got that- we got to leave this behind. Quick summary. Quick summary. What are your big takeaways from New York? Uh, all right. So takeaway, um, have yourself a dinner in the village, mm. find yourself a great little bar to park yourself in, whether it's like, whether you're a dive bar person or a cocktail person, and then maybe, maybe do yourself a favor and research where you want to stay. You know, the thing about New York is that all the rooms are going to be teeny tiny. Maybe you're someone who wants to spend some time in your room and you want to invest a lot of money. Maybe you want to be on the go in the city and you just want it someplace budget. New York really does have both and everything in between. Find yourself the right hotel room in the right location. Yeah. Very well said. Our rec- Recommendations we know are like Lower Manhattan, West Side centric, and so we can't wait to come back and do this again. Um, I would say don't eat in Times Square. Go there for Broadway only, and then leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and good, other good than call. that, we've given you guys a lot of red recommendations. I would just invite you to keep your eyes up, your ears open, because New York is full of stories, and just by just by watching it, you you'll come home with some good memories. Okay, that is it for us. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. And please, 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 please leave us a review. We would love that. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Is Our handle is Podcast. Email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Share us your thoughts. Tell us what you like, don't like, and tell us where to go next. And please visit our website where you can find all the places we talked about in this episode at wishyouwerherepodcast.com. And here is spelled H-E-A. A-R. That's it for us. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.